the uh, an outline of the sermon today. If you have that with you, it might aid in following along. But we're going to read now from Colossians, yes, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 14. If you have a pew Bible, it's on page 1148. Colossians chapter 3, 1 to 14. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but all, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Here ends the reading. No, morning, everyone. Sorry to uh, swear a little late this morning. I think it's because we sang O oh, for a Thousand Tons. Which, uh, do you remember O oh, for a Thousand Tons? It's got eight, but we sang all eight verses. <laughs> Five verses to me. Lucky they have a voice. Uh, I just wanted to introduce... Uh, this is Jason Forbes. Jason is our disability advocate for Jericho Road. Uh, J- Jason is a man who lives with cerebral palsy. Uh, he was born uh, not breathing, and which gave him uh, an injury, a brain injury. But uh, Jason is uh, a minister of the Presbyterian Church. He's uh, far smarter than me, which I know that you... Uh, that's not hard, <laughs> so I haven't really said much. But uh, he has a master's degree. Are you going to do a doctorate? I hope not. <laughs> he hopes not. He keeps telling me he doesn't like to read, but he actually reads quite a bit. You've been given a transcript, uh, a full transcript. Uh, uh, Jason encourages you to use that. Uh, as he will say... 
listening for the first five minutes, I think I heard you say, is the hardest thing about someone who has a speech uh, impediment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so, but you'll get used to it. And uh, we warmly welcome you. And thank you, Jason, for being here. come all the way from the Central Coast. So uh, we thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for the invitation to share the food with you today. And as has just been said, we do have to share but if you can put it on without that, just put it to one side and focus on me. And you should pick up what's being said. Hopefully. So, if you were to imagine your ideal self, what would you look like? Who would you be? A corporate leader? A successful business person? Working with lots of positions? An elite athlete? A renowned scholar, a famous artist or entertainer, beautiful and attractive, highly creative, meticulously tidy. I suspect we all have an image in our head of our ideal self. It would tempt to, uh, to find our identity in that. Especially in a culture that encourages us to find our identity in what we do and in who we feel we should be. So, we tend to view the world and others according to our ideal self. Both to reflect our ideal self, we tend to gravitate toward those who don't reflect our ideal self, we tend to Avoid. Perhaps we might even speak or act against them in some way. In Colossus' reading, the Bible gives us an image of our ideal selves. And this ideal self has nothing to do with what we can do or who we feel we should be. But it has everything to do with who we are in our character as we respect 
Eu odio surf. But these things, these are things that must be put to death and got rid of. This is exceedingly strong language. We don't speak lightly of putting something to death. It is a drastic action, a terrible action, something that cannot be reversed. And we must take this action with these behaviors because they are inconsistent with us being Christians. They're not part of a Christian identity. So who are we as Christians? Where do we begin to form our identity? We begin to form our identity with a new self. A new self which is bound to the resurrection of Jesus. As such, we have to fix our eyes on things above. We are to have a completely different outlook on life and how we are to exist in the world. This means taking off our own self which tends to engage in these behaviours that incur God's wrath and put on the new self. But what does it mean to put on the new self? Being this in the Bible here is quite complicated. Mainly because the Greek is also convoluted. We read in verse 10 and have put on the new self, which is bringing and the knowledge after the image of its creator. What thing will need? What is this knowledge? What is this image? It can be quite confusing. I suggest what is being needed is ourself, and the knowledge is a new understanding. Therefore, the meaning here is to reimagine our ideal self as the image of God.
attractive or unattractive, healthy or sick, able or disabled, black or white. If you are a Christian, if you have repented of your sins and are trusting in, the, in Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life, then there is only one social status available to you. In Christ, you see it in the same place as every other Christian. You see it in the same baptism as every other Christian. You are held secure in the same covenant as every other Christian, never to be revoked. There is no basis for you to look down at another believer and think that they are not like you. Guess what? They are exactly like you. In the sense that you were both totally dependent on the grace and mercy of God. The fact that you can conform to cultural standards better than what they can is irrelevant. The fact that you have a good job and that don't is irrelevant. The fact that you have a different marriage status than they do is irrelevant. The fact that you have a different cultural background is irrelevant. The fact that you are healthy and other believers are not is irrelevant. The fact that you can do some things and other believers can't is irrelevant. There is one social status for those who follow Jesus in Christ. Well, how can this be? How can we just dismiss our cultural standards so easily? Well, this is where things get really exciting. Verse 10 
followers of Jesus are described as slaves, as who have already put on themselves, which is being reimagined in the image of God. And it's important to note there's a two-part process here. Firstly, there is a completed part of having put on the new self. All social distinctions are gone. But secondly, there is an ongoing process of reimagining what this new self looks like as based on the image of God. So, in parallel of both already having put on the new self, there is now an imperative in verse 12 to put on what was just then is what this image of God looks like follows in verses 12 to 14. If we read, put on them as God's chosen minds, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one is a complaint against another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you. So we must forgive one another. Above all these things, for on God, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What does the image of God look like? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, or gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and above all, love. What do you notice here? These have nothing to do with your situation in life. These have nothing to do with your ability. But they have everything to do with your character. Now, these have far-reaching 
implications for how you manage your situation in life and use your abilities. But your situation in life and your abilities are not what makes up the image of God. Your ideal self is not to be a corporate leader or business person or wealthy with positions or an elite athlete or a young scholar or to be a famous artist or entertainer or to be spiritually enlightened, or to be beautiful and attractive, or to be highly creative or multi-creative. Your ideal self is the bearer of God's image, is to be Compassionate, kind, humble, meek or gentle, patient, forbearing, forgiving, and above all, loving. When you think about it, this is how God is in his approach to us. God is compassionate in providing salvation, especially through the death and resurrection of Jesus. God is kind in the abundant blessings he lavishes upon us each and every day. God is humble and wanting to restore sinners into a right relationship with him. God is gentle and holding back the full measure of his wrath God is patient as we steadily grow in faith day by day and witness. God forbears our wild hearts and forgives us and both all. God is loving. God bears the most costly respect for our greatest gain, eternal life. This is the God of whose image we bear. This is the God that we are called 
to the script in El Carita. This is El Audio Self. This is what we must be progressing towards. And we perceive our ideal self as we run a business, work for our employer, excel in the sport, and create an entertainment. Now, like any good pleasure, Paul goes on to apply his message to his audience. So it's within the framework of bearing God's image that we need to understand his comments on wives, husbands, and servants Verses eighteen through one. I'm not going to unpack that, but I'm going to apply this message to lives of people with disabilities and help we are to relate to them as a church. Bearing God's image as an ideal self means perseverance. Firstly, bearing the image of God as an ideal self means releasing each other from cultural standards. Ability and success are not the most important social markers for the church. It isn't those who are most smart or capable who are best at representing God. It's those to reflect who God is in their character, who are best at representing God. So someone might be extremely limited in what they can do because of their disability. But their witness to who God is and their character as part of their faith might be the biggest asset a church may have. They are in fact a representation of the ideal self what apart from our cultural standards. Therefore, we are not to view anyone according to our cultural standards. 
Instead, we are to value them according to God's image. We are to value them for their character and how they respect who God is in their being. Secondly, bearing the image of God as an ideal self is a hard challenge. Read the list again. Compassionate, kind, humble, meek, forbidden, forgiven, loving. Do you know anyone who can be described in this way? I would not know someone who can do one or two of these things some of the times. But to do all these things all of the time? Is this how you would describe yourself? The point is, before thought of our ideal self, living by God's image is not something we can do of our own accord. We need to be humbly asking God for forgiveness and to empower us by His Spirit to live according to His image. Why? Because we tend to perceive something other than Jesus. We pursue our honor, recognition, opportunities, relationships, experiences, security. This is a struggle that we all endure. In perceiving our ideal self as the image of God means lying down, lying aside, Different riches along with the self image we want to project to others for the sake of Jesus. Laying down between riches is difficult in a culture that constantly tells us that we are deserving of what we want and we are entitled to our comforts. 